Hello and welcome to Music Speaks. This is the podcast that's dedicated to how music impacts people's lives. For the show, we usually have two co-hosts, myself, Hunter Sagana, and Sean Rimkunis, who is staring at me through the computer. Sean and I believe that many people have a playlist that makes their life unique through music. We pride ourselves on building upon our musical knowledge with our featured guests, jamming to incredible music, and talking about a wide variety of artists and composers and everything in between. Here is a musical quote for today. Virtually every writer I know would rather be a musician. Kurt Vonnegut. Jeanette Marie Lewis is our guest for today. And let's repeat that again. Jeanette Marie Lewis is a flutist and educator from Long Island, New York. Currently pursuing her DMA in flute performance from the University of Maryland School of Music, Jeanette is exploring her passion for classical music, jazz, and contemporary flute pedagogy. She completed a MM in flute performance from the Ithaca College School of Music, where she also holds a BM in music education. There, she served as graduate assistant of flute, graduate assistant of vocal general student teaching, graduate assistant to the manager of concerts and facilities, and stage crew manager. Jeanette has won positions with the Catskill Symphony Orchestra, Cayuga St. Chamber Orchestra, and the U.S. Air Force Academy Band. So, Sean, how do you know Jeanette? Hunter, I was going to ask you. I mean, why don't you know Jeanette? That's an excellent question. Enlighten me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, Jeanette is a great friend of mine from uh, when I was at Ithaca College as a undergrad and as a master's student. We sort of overlapped in that same period of time. She is mm-hmm. a great musician. Um, when we were interviewing Ujjal a few weeks ago, I was thinking those two in my mind are really great musicians and um, they've done duos together and um, honestly uh, Jeanette is one of the craziest and one of the most influential uh, musicians working in that top area right now and we're going to see more of her very soon I'm sure of it yeah all right well then let's see more of her now or rather hear more from her now so let's welcome Jeanette Okay, and we'd like to welcome Jeanette to our show. Welcome, Jeanette. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being on. So we're going to dive right into it. You know, you have your your 10 songs that you gave to us. So we'd like to start with the first one, which is Make a Move by Lawrence, uh, which is from 2018, I believe it was released. And I saw someone in the comments section had called it quirky. And I feel like that was the, the best word that I could come up with to describe it. Um, What drew you to it? That pretty much is it. I love bands that are quirky and just full of energy and bring a sound and a style that I haven't heard before. And I really feel like Lawrence does that, especially their lead singer, Gracie. She has the most unique voice and just stalk her Instagram and you will see that quirky is literally the definition of Gracie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could tell from, I watched the music video. I tend to watch the music videos when we have songs that are more recent to get a sense of like, you know, maybe the, the artist's mindset. And uh, what do you think of the message of the song? I don't know if you've ever, you know, have you ever really sat to listen to it? I mean, it's a pretty long song as far as pop songs go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so- What do you think? I, I think the first time I actually came across this song, 
I found it on YouTube and it was a live set they were doing for a radio show. And I think Gracie actually said a few words about it. Um, Just how there's this weird vibe when it comes to women. Like, we don't want to be too forward because we're taught that that's wrong. Um, And but we also don't just want to sit back and wait for somebody to ask us out as well. So Mm -hmm. I think Lawrence is really cool because they cover a lot of subjects that aren't really touched on in music lyric wise. And I think the lyrics are awesome because it's a relevant message to women today. Are there any other topics that stand out to you on the top of your head of other songs of theirs? Because I know nothing about them. Oh, my gosh. They they write about everything. And since they're a brother and sister duo, they actually said it's weird writing love songs because everybody writes love songs, but they're like, okay, we're related. So it's kind of weird if we write these songs together. So they write about everything that <laughs> doesn't have to do with love. So another one that I really like, it's called the heartburn song. And if you listen to the lyrics, it sounds like someone going through a breakup, but it's actually about the time that the band was touring and they tried like a really spicy hot sauce. And so the song is actually about recovering, like trying to recover from when you eat something really spicy. But to the listener, it just sounds like someone went through a really hard breakup. (laughs) That's a really clever approach to maybe writing more conventional songs based off of an unconventional idea. You know what I mean? Like to get past their their roadblock of like, their sister keeping them from writing that since most songs are not most songs many are love songs um that's a really clever way of getting around that you know using other things to sort of mimic and then the listener can and interpret the way they want yeah definitely yeah it's something you don't see often um so you know i know you mentioned her voice but it's like it's a very unique kind of voice uh how would you describe it i I can't say i was a fan of it right away but it sort of grew on me as the song went yeah that's actually exactly how i felt when i first started listening to their music they're like there are certain artists where you listen to them for a long time and you your ears like just need a break and that's how i felt listening to them not because it was bad music but i just had never heard a voice like hers before um and then so i would keep easing myself into it and listening to more and more at a time and now i'm addicted to it it just she has so much control and she just has so many characters and colors in her voice. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. She's not limited by what she thinks a singer should sound like. She will go to ugly parts of her voice and she'll use really soft parts of her voice. And just the way that she's able to transition between the characters so quickly, I think is the most impressive thing about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems like an apt description to me. Obviously, you know, you know more about them than I do. Um, so you would be able to make that connection across all her various songs. So very cool. Um, in a complete departure from this, I know Sean would like to talk about something a little bit older. Sure. So the next song that you chose was Do I Ever Cross Your Mind, uh, sung by Dolly Parker and Chet Atkins uh, in 1976, first released as a duet and then as a solo record. And I think we're talking about Dolly Parton, right? Before she became Dolly Parton, I think. Yeah, right? so I, I glanced at my list again before we started this, and I realized my autocorrect had changed it to Parker instead of Parton. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, was, I honestly was so worried I was going to think about that, and I was like, is it a different artist? But no, it's Dolly Parton. No. Um, and I'm so glad that you, you helped me through that. Um, 
Um, I honestly, <laughs> when I started listening to it, I wasn't ready for the fast tempo because it just kind of like picked up instantly. Um, and I thought that was just kind of striking me right away. Um, what did you listen for in the beginning of the song or like during the song? It's interesting. So this song, like a lot of the songs that I love, I found via my Spotify Discover Weekly playlist. Ah. And I'm not a huge fan. I'm not even a little fan of country music at all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know people love it. I know people hate it. It's usually one or the other. I don't right. like it. I can appreciate it for what it is. It's just not for me. Um, but when I heard it, I just something about it was so soothing and beautiful because it's so simple and i think you'll find a lot of the songs that i chose are actually really simple and the focus is on a really nice simple accompaniment and then beautiful voices so that's what struck me about this one when i first heard it right and something interesting that happens in the song is like in like maybe like the first 20 30 seconds you hear her laugh Mm -hmm. and then her talking during the court recording which is so yeah. interesting like at that point you might be like oh, push push the stop button but they just keep going like it's like they're just jamming out and she's like oh that's so cool nice trick you're doing there mm -hmm. and she's just like she's just laughing during the recording um what does that like add to the fun aspect of the song i love that because for me it puts me in the room with the performers like I am the person recording them and I'm hearing this happen and I'm saying don't stop you know keep going because it's so it's so authentic and especially in the classical music world which we're very much a part of the priority is you know the technique of it and making sure the performance mm. is perfect and yes it's supposed to be musical but sometimes it's missing that authenticity that you can get in a recording studio with a couple people and whether they mess up or laugh or just like some genuine expression of uh, themselves, I think is so beautiful. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's perfect. Um, uh, like you were mentioning, many people dismiss country music for its genre, for its cliches, for its sort of sound. Um, but I think it's unique to the genre and it's unique to music itself. Um, I mean, like you said that you had popped onto it through your Spotify playlist. Um, but what can we really learn from the genre of music? That's a question I've asked myself for a long time because I want to know why I don't connect with country music. And I find that I love the accompaniments and the instruments using country music. I love acoustic guitar. Anytime they include a banjo, I'm on board. <laughs> and I'd almost rather just like take the singers out and listen to that. but. I think the vocal control, aside from the um, the accompaniment, the vocal control by country artists is so impressive and it's something that's so unique to country songs because they really all have similar styles of singing. And I think Dolly Parton is an excellent example of this. The vocal control that it takes to sing that song is just, you need to have a lot of it. <laughs> and it needs to be so smooth, so smooth sounding. Right, yeah. and. As we're talking about Dolly, um, she does have her own solo version of the song, which is slower than this version. Um, and I know that you might not have that connection to that song. I'm sure maybe you haven't listened to it or maybe you have listened to it. Um, moving to a slower tempo, I just kind of feel like it loses that momentum. I'm not sure if you feel the same way. 
Yeah, I totally agree. This song I will pull up and listen to in my car if I'm going to hang out with friends or if I'm on my way to an audition or something because at the fast tempo, I feel like it's pump-up music, which <laughs> is kind of weird because it's literally like an acoustic guitar and two country singers, but it does definitely lose some of that characteristic of like bounce and, and happiness and ease when it's performed at the slower version. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's so interesting. Um, now moving forward, uh, we're going to check out some Regina Spector, uh, Hunter, take it away. Yeah. So, um, the next song that you chose is called Samson, which I was spelling like every way, except it needed to be. I don't know why it was so difficult for me when I was putting it into YouTube. Um, and cause I kept putting, I think I kept putting the P and it was throwing me off Samson. Anyway, uh, it was, I believe released on her second album in 2002 and the album called songs, which was also very confusing. Cause I kept th thinking it was trying to bring me to a song list, not realizing that was the name of the album. Um, I'm smart. I promise. So, uh the one thing that i had to note right away is like there's this really cool ethereal sounding chord at like 45 seconds in which is sort of like a diversion from everything else i just had to mention that because i thought it was it was pretty neat uh it's a fairly simplistic orchestration you know just her and the piano most of the time and that sort of fits with what you were saying about your your musical tastes right about you know the simplicity yep definitely why what uh, what about that do you think draws you in terms of this song specifically or the simplistic nature of the songs that I'm choosing? Uh, let's go with this song first and then we'll go to the other. So Regina Spector, I think is one of the most talented singers and piano players um, that I've ever encountered. And she's such an incredible singer because like I was talking about with Gracie Lawrence, she has mm -hmm. so much control and she's not afraid to use every possible sound that she can make with her voice, whether it's a singing sound, a speaking sound, grunting sounds, like just sounds you wouldn't normally associate with song. So that's why I love her. And this song is so simple and many of her songs are, it's just her playing the piano and, and singing. And I think that just gives her voice a way to shine through mm -hmm. yeah i mean sometimes you know that's sort of very um that's a very classical era idea right the the beauty and simplicity and you know sort of letting the 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 pieces speak for themselves because they're inherently you know relaxing or beautiful or whatever it is you happen to think about them mm -hmm. um what i mean you sort of talked about the what speaks to you about the song itself but about the genre in general, not not the genre, about the concept of simplicity in general. Why do you prefer that over something, say, oh, I don't know, maybe like big band music. I don't know, maybe you like big band music. I do love big band music, but I can talk about the differences here. I think it's a beautiful thing in music when something is simple, but it still makes you feel something. Mm -hmm. And I think with Regina Spector, it sounds simple when you hear it and you feel at ease when you're listening to it. But then if you actually start to analyze what's happening in the harmonies and the melody and the lyrics, it's actually so complex. And like for her to make me feel such a wide range of emotions, but the lyrics are Samson, 
came to my bed, ate a slice of Wonder Bread, told me that his hair was red, and, and went right back to bed. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss book, and like I would. Yeah, it does. But but her singing it, I'm like sobbing. So she just has this unique way of making you feel things with such crazy lyrics that you don't expect. Mm-hmm. That that's funny because I was thinking about the two. I was like, it's interesting. The like the lyrics were relative again, relatively simple. Um, but you're right. There is something a little more about it. It's just, I, and I think that's a sign of a good artist. Um, but what's funny is, you know, a lot of times country music is, well, depending on what subgenre of country you're listening to, is often very simplistic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There are so many country artists who are simply them and their guitar or them and a piano. Um, so it's funny that you don't necessarily connect with the genre, even though sometimes that's the crux of the genre, which I don't either. So I, I know where you're, I know you where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Uh, so clearly, you're a fan of hers in general, then. Yes, I have loved her since. I think I started listening to her my freshman year of high school. So it's been a long road. Um, I've seen her live once in Ithaca, so that was amazing, a dream come true. Um, and I will continue to follow her forever. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because, you know, I know a lot of people, my sister's one of them, where she's like, yeah, I like her, but, you know, there's like one song that I like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel like that's with a lot of artists. People are like, oh, yeah, I like that person. Oh, what song? Oh, just the one, you know. Yep. Yeah, it's really true. And she's definitely an artist where you could hear one song by her and be fooled into thinking that she's something else, like some other kind of artist. Mm-hmm. And then you'll look her up and see that she has a song about dolphins and she makes dolphin noises and you're like okay this is not the same person so (laughs) yeah I'm definitely uh I'm with her through all of it what would you classify to her then as if you had to put her into a category oh my gosh that's so difficult um I would say folk because folk regardless of the sound she's giving you there is a storytelling nature to every single one of her songs her songs read like storybooks mm-hmm. so i would go with folk possibly dr seuss as you said yeah maybe that was her her first inspiration i don't know <laughs> yeah all right now uh john we're gonna jump ahead about 18 years if i'm not mistaken and sean's gonna take it away all right let's talk about some papayas or as is in this song it is said papaya um, this song is written by Twisted Pine, released in 2020, uh, June, uh, sorry, June, January 17th. Um, Jeanette, this blew my mind, this song. <laughs> Honestly, went, mm-hmm. um, again. um, honestly, um, this one, classical funk, I don't really have a word for that. Um, do you want to explain it? Maybe with flute? I don't know, but I loved it. Yeah. How would you describe it? So this also came on my Spotify Discover Weekly only a few weeks ago. And I'll usually listen to my Discover Weekly while I'm working. And so it's kind of in the background, but I heard the flute solo in it. And I was like, I need to stop everything. And I started describing <laughs> it because it was so amazing. And then I needed to know every single thing about this band. 
I mm. one of the first thoughts I also had was what genre is this? Who are these people? Like what gives them the right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> How so dare I, they? I was exploring all of their music and their website and they are just so unique because they combine every element of music that I love and every, every genre of music that I love too. Right. You know, I was honestly shocked when to me, not shocked in a, like, I, I knew you have eclectic taste, but this was just sort of like beyond me and beyond like what I was even thinking. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to skip the second question because you did answer uh, what it means to just sort of describe them. Mm -hmm. um, it is very creative and so different than anything that I have ever heard. Um, and I'm sure for our listeners who get to listen to your playlist afterward, will want to do that as well. Um, and we will attach it to your podcast when we do that. Um, cool. Can we talk a little bit about like the way they they use, we were talking a little bit earlier maybe about like simplicity within the lyrics. Mm -hmm. They really just kind of pick apart the word papaya in the song. <laughs> yeah, so I went to look up the lyrics because you know, you just Google papaya lyrics and you expect a million different results to come up, but there were no results and <laughs> I was like what am I supposed to do now like actually write the words down as I'm listening to them like a like a medieval person but <laughs> so um it turns out that their music video yep, for the song on YouTube it's so quirky it's the most quirky music video you'll ever see um but they have lyrics that move in real time with the music video so I was writing them down because I was trying to figure out what is this song about and the lead singer, her voice is so interesting and I couldn't make out the lyrics sometimes, but quite literally, it is about going into the grocery store and seeing a papaya and wondering if it's ripe. And that is it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it's basically a love song to a papaya. They've also said it's like buying an avocado. Like, is it going to be ripe? Can you just be ripe? Because I really want you right now. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Now, is, is this going to be used for a... Is there like a double entendre there or something? <laughs> I don't know. They haven't said anything about it, but maybe, honestly. <laughs> is this going to be used for a future recital? So right now, actually, I am working on a flute. I don't want to say flute choir because that sounds lame, but it's a flute <laughs> ensemble arrangement. Um, I was thinking, how can I make a cover of this song? And I tried right. playing it on piano and playing the flute and singing, but there's something about it that it doesn't warrant the piano. It, the piano is just, it's too heavy for it and it takes away some of the, the lightness. So I was like, how can I sound like strings? So I've started experimenting with some different sounds I can make on the flute, like percussive tonguing. Um, mm. And then I've been editing some of my flute audio just on GarageBand. And so I'm gonna try to put this together and do an all flute and vocal cover of it. Wow, I'm so excited. Wow. Um, just saying, uh, if you know Jeanette, check out Jeanette's stuff because she is super cool. Gonna be flipping it back a few more years ago. Um, Hunter, would you like to take that one away? Sure. So I love that you picked this song. Um, it is What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. And it, for those who don't know, it was written in 1967 by Bob, I don't know how to say his name, Bob Thiel, I'll say, under the pen name George Douglas and George David Weiss. 
um, recorded by Pops, which is Louis Armstrong. Um, I think, I don't remember if I picked this song or my sister picked this one. I can't remember. Someone else picked this song. Maybe it wasn't us. Um, this is my parents' wedding song. So for them, you know, it, it always holds a great deal of meaning. What's your connection to the song? So both my parents are jazz musicians and my ah. dad is a trumpet player. Um, and so we just had CD upon CD of Louis Armstrong stuff. Um, my dad mm -hmm. also does this crowd pleaser. He has um, a jazz band. He is the lead person and he plays trumpet and my mom sings and plays piano in it. So every time I would go to one of their gigs growing up, I was like, oh, I have to see my parents in the jazz band. <laughs> and so I was like, how can we make this more enjoyable for myself and my two younger sisters? So then my dad started programming this song on it and he would sing in Satchmo. That's what my dad called him. He would sing in Satchmo's voice. And yeah. my sisters and I would start paying attention again because we were like, this is so cool, but also so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever bring them to a like uh like a career day for parents no i cannot say that i did <laughs> when i was no younger, i was just curious they could sing for your for your classmates yeah when i was younger i thought it was weird because i didn't know anybody else with parents who were in a band let alone a jazz band and now that i'm older i'm like that's so cool <laughs> yeah exactly you don't you don't quite get it when you're young just because you're young you know it, it doesn't quite register but that is really cool mm -hmm. um yeah, my parents, they, they picked the song because it was in the movie Good Morning Vietnam, mm -hmm. um, which is obviously not a movie about like, you know, a wonderful world. But still, I think it's a really, it's a beautiful song. And obviously, Louis Armstrong's voice is so unique. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think there's a person out there who could hear it and not know it was Louis Armstrong, provided you know who he is. So I'm glad, I'm really glad that you picked it. All right. So we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the rest of your songs. But before we do, Jeanette, would you mind reading our social media handles, which as I'm looking at this are not pasted here. So I will just get them for you very quickly. If you would indulge us. Of course. Thank you. We will do a shameless plug of our own media. And then if you have any shameless plugs you would like to do, we will do that at the second break before the end. Um, all right, hang on. And here they are. All right. So if you wouldn't mind reading those. Are they, where are they? Where it says, take a break and then break. Okay, so if you want more of this fabulous, fun podcast, follow at MusicSpeaks underscore pod on Twitter. And then Instagram, you have MusicSpeaks underscore podcast. And last but not least, follow them on Facebook, Music Speaks Podcast. Thank you very much. You did so much of a better job than I would have if I were reading them, because otherwise, yeah, it wouldn't be good. Um, so we're going to take a break sponsored by ballot ready which is going to remind everyone to go vote please vote it is your civic duty we don't care who you vote for but you must vote um 
All right, we'll be right back. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. Go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choices to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on election day. This election matters. Make sure you have a plan to vote and vote informed. This year, with changes to polling places and vote by mail laws as a result of COVID, it's more important than ever to have a plan to vote. Local elected officials affect our lives every day. They decide who to prosecute, monitor the quality of our drinking water, and choose the leadership of our schools. 30% of voters take the time to vote and then leave some part of their ballot blank. This is a missed opportunity to choose the leaders of our communities. It's okay if you're unfamiliar with some of the more local positions. We recommend hosting a ballot party. Get together with friends over Zoom, split up the research, and go through your ballots together. So please go to BallotReady.org and enter your address to make a plan to vote and vote informed. Okay, we're back with my friend Jeanette. And Jeanette, uh, the next song that you chose is Joanne by Lady Gaga. Um, and the album came out in 2016, and the album was also called Joanne. Uh, so, Jeanette, a lot of things that I've been doing lately is I've been reading a lot of slam poetry, and a lot of slam poetry through song. So I'm going to read the lyrics. I know they don't always sound great when I read them, but if you feel so inclined to snap, clap, or go woo at the end of that, you are more than likely to do so if you'd like. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit of uh, the lyrics. So she writes, take my hand, stay Joanne, heaven's not ready for you. Every part of my aching heart needs you more than the angels do. Girl, where do you think you're going? Where do you think you're going? Going, girl. Girl, where do you think you're going? Where do you think you're going? Going, girl. If you could, if you could I know that you'd stay. If we both knew things didn't work that way, I promised I wouldn't say goodbye. So grin, I grin, and my voice gets thin. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, what are your thoughts on, on her? Because uh, this song, when I was listening to it, it had like that very simplistic vibe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What do you so want to talk about just, that? I think it's just an acoustic guitar again. And um, there might be some percussion in it at some point. But And then it's just Lady Gaga singing. And it's actually interesting to hear you read it as a poem because it makes a lot of sense as a poem. And that's what lyrics really are for some singers and I think that's so fitting for this um when I first heard it I wondered what the meaning of it was because it sounded like it meant more than the lyrics right. and of course she's calling someone out by name Joanne so who is Joanne so I actually uh, I found out that this was written for her late aunt who passed away when she was young I think she was in her late teens early 20s and there's a documentary about Lady Gaga on Netflix 
Um, it's surrounding her career and her performance at the Super Bowl halftime show. And mm. they talk a lot about this song. And like you said, it's simplistic, so I love it. But I also just think the lyrics are so powerful because she's calling out for her aunt, who she didn't get to know, but she knew was taken too early. And she feels a connection with her aunt, even though she's never met her, which I also think is really interesting that you can write a whole song about somebody without even having known them. Right. So my next question would be about um, when you listen to this song, do you listen for the, the rhythmic integrity or do you listen to the, um, the vocalese or the, the song itself? What do you listen for? So I think the melody is most important for me and I have a hard time listening to and remembering lyrics. I am so bad with lyrics. So <laughs> if any part of the lyrics stick with me when I listen to a song, I know it's special. <laughs> so this was one of the songs where I felt really connected with the lyrics, which is rare for me. Right. As the bells are tolling in Hunter's house. <laughs> Happens every 15 minutes, just roll with it. That means it's yeah. like at the Grammys, like they play the wrap up music. You're just trying to get yeah. <laughs> We don't mean that for you, Jeanette. So if there's something that, that you wanted to say before the chimes had cut you off, um, anything you want to add to that? Um, yeah, so I think in summary, melody, that's that's melody. always what I'm drawn to. It's always what I hear. I don't know it's be if it's because I play the flute and that's a melodic instrument that can't make words but <laughs> right yeah and i, I want to mention a, just a quick story um i was listening to uh, a friend of mine listening to peter and the wolf and when the flute solo came on that sort of denotated the bird mm -hmm. um denote no notated the bird denotated well um i meant to just say like it just it just took me by surprise because you can have someone that just writes so well for that instrument and still sort of have this sort of like feeling that, oh, it's a bird. I, I was just kind of grasping with that. Um, and I know that's not even exactly what we're talking about. I just wanted to say that because I thought it was interesting. Um, so let's go back to the song, which is Joanne, it's Lady Gaga. Um, so if there was someone who lived under a rock and figured what was going on now, and then they learned about Lady Gaga, um, I don't know if I could describe her because she's done so much with her career. I can. I don't think I could like, like be like, oh, she's this artist. You can't say that because she's done so many things. How would you describe her? Yeah, it's interesting because there are not just two sides to her, but to talk very broadly, there's the side of her that you hear on the radio and that you see in some concerts, like the Super Bowl halftime show, where. She is pop, she is channeling Madonna, she is Katy Perry, she's all these really empowering female artists and she's wearing the costumes and she wants you to know she is Lady Gaga and she's meat. the meat the meat suit or the meat dress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe if someone like who lived under a rock said, Tell me something about Lady Gaga, I feel like that's the first thing we should say. She wore a dress of meat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then there's the other side, which she sings with Tony Bennett and mm -hmm. sings acoustically and she's a classically trained pianist. And right. of course, all those things influence her, her pop side as well. And I'm sure her pop side influences her, her more acoustic side. But 
There's something so natural about her voice and so unique about her voice. I especially love her acoustic things. So if I were describing her to somebody, I would just say she is one of those artists who can do anything you ask her to do. Right, yeah. And have you gotten to see A Star Is Born? Yes, I did yeah. see that. And now, I did thought that it was change... amazing. Right, did that ever change your perception about her? Because she won the Academy Award for that part. Yeah, I thought it was interesting to hear that, seeing interviews with her about that, that film, like knowing that she really wanted to act and that was a passion of hers. And then she got to do it in such an amazing role and a huge role for that to have been like her first big role. Um, <laughs> and I thought she did a fantastic job. I loved all the music from it as well. Right. What do you call someone who just does things and gets them so easily? Maybe a genius, I guess. I know it's like those people that annoy you, you know, like you have those friends who <laughs> They can do anything well, like just literally everything they do, they do it well. And that's, that's just her. <laughs> right. And it's, it's so frustrating. You can't hate them, but you can mm -hmm. just, just be like, oh my God, why are you so talented? This is well, you can, I suppose. <laughs> you it's can. Easy. It's easy for us because we're not like competing with Lady Gaga. So we don't have to. Right. No, <laughs> right, right. No, of course, of course not. Um, I'm sure you felt that way about other people playing the flute and, um, uh, or, or me playing the trumpet. Um, but. Uh, I do want to get to more a classical sound now, and I really do, Hunter was very surprised by this next one, which is um, some Arl Peart. So Hunter, take it away. Right, so um, yeah, your your next choice was Fur Alina by Arvo Peart. And uh, for those who don't know, you know, he was a big contemporary composer, you know, really heavily working back in the 70s. And this piece was written, I believe, in 78 and considered a prime example of a style that he invented, uh, known as, and I'm going to butcher it, um, Tintinabili. I, I don't know if that's exactly how you say it, but it's a style that he particularly invented, which he, I guess, employs in a lot of his work. And my first question is, you know, where were you first introduced to the artist and or his song? So did you know him first or the song? So I heard this piece first. It was in a music history course at Ithaca College. Mm -hmm. And it was my one of my first introductions to minimalist music. Yeah. And I mean, who is shocked at this point that I like music that is kind of simple? Um, I was just going to say, it really fits your MO, I got to say. <laughs> I'm consistent. So I heard it and I had that familiar feeling of it's so simple, but it's so effective. And I think the simplicity is beautiful. So I don't know a ton of um, Parrot's music, but this piece specifically stuck out to me. Um, I remember printing out sheet music. I found it somewhere in the depths of Google. And I was amazed at how it was actually written out because it's, it's so simple. Um, and it seems like there's not enough written music for how long the piece actually is. So that was an interesting little fact I learned about it. Mm -hmm. And I believe the, the style, the Tintinabuli, and I apologize if I'm butchering it for anyone listening who happens to actually know how to say it, um, but I, I think it's based off of chanting. And I think a lot of his music, if I recall, because I remember we learned also about him in a, in a theory class, 
being a, a minimalist, what, what separated him from some of the others like Reich and um, the other guy who did a lot, of, I, I can't think of his name. He did a lot with like, um, I think folk music um, was that his is based off of chanting and a lot of the Eastern European concept, you know, like their liturgical chanting. And I think that's what this style is based off of. And You know, that music is often very simplistic. Are you a fan of some of the other mod um, modernist, minimalist uh, composers like Reich? Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan because I feel like it presents a challenge to the performer. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's just as valuable um, for the performer to have an experience as it is for the listener to have an experience. And I've related to this music mostly as a performer, I would say. Mm -hmm. because it's difficult to find musicality and and expressiveness when all of the things that contribute to musicality and expressiveness aren't written on the page so it's definitely a challenge interesting that's that's i like that because it approaches it from the performer's perspective not necessarily the listeners and i feel like that's what a lot of people forget is that a lot of the you know when we're doing this uh on the podcast Oftentimes, you know, they are performers who are talking about these songs, but the listeners might not know them. So they're thinking of it from the listener's perspective. And from the listener's perspective, these songs, songs by people like Per or Reich might not be the most complex. They might be because Reich has some very complex stuff and I'm sure Park does as, uh, Parrot does as well. Mm -hmm. But um, it's, a, it's an important perspective to look at it from. Yeah. And... I mean, we sort of had this with, um, what was the song, Sean? The the piece of the nine bagpipes or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. What was that called? Uh, oh, it was called Lad. Lad, that's what Ju it was. Ju Julia Wolf. Julia Wolf, yes. The nine bagpipes. That was, you want to talk about performance difficulties. Um, that's like, have you ever heard that one before? No, I haven't. But now I'm interested and I'm making a note so that I can look it up. <laughs> Oh, it's, please go listen it's to something. it. It's something. It's so worth it. That's so funny. Yeah, I, I think from a performance perspective, the last recital I gave of my master's degree, I picked all 20th century music, and my goal was how can the audience mm -hmm. relate to this while I'm also having an equally important experience as the performer. And I ended up doing a piece called Vermont Counterpoint by Reich, um, totally minimalist. It has 12 different flute parts. They all layer over one another. And I just, I hope I did a good job in conveying the importance of minimalist music, but I, I projected this drive on a big screen, um, a drive through Vermont during the fall. And I had people from the audience come up and say, I closed my eyes and listened and I didn't know what I was listening to, but then I would see the leaves falling and I was like, oh, I get minimalist music now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And who was that by? That's by Reich. Oh, that's by Reich. Okay, I didn't know it. Um, there's another composer. I, I just happened upon him the other day. His name is Herman Beefdink. Have you ever heard of him? I have. I can't yeah. remember how, but I have. Well, he. I, I came across a beautiful piece. Um, and I forget what it's called. It's either called Three Birds or The Birds, not to be confused with the Hitchcock film. Um, yes. And it's just, it's three flutes. And it's them mimicking these three types of birds. It was very, very cool. If no one's, I, those listening haven't heard it, it's very worth checking out. 
I've played it. That's how I know it. <laughs> oh, okay. Then there you go. <laughs> Yeah. So you do know it, because yeah, um, he has a couple of other songs. Uh, uh, well, actually, well, I guess technically they're songs because they're short. Um, they're like three, four minutes long. Uh, also with some good flute solo music. So if you haven't looked into his some, his other stuff, you definitely should. Um, yeah, and sure. with that. I played, I played oh, go ahead. on that piece. It was really cool. Yeah. Uh, there was like a lag. I couldn't tell if you were like frozen or not. Um, with that, we're going to jump ahead a couple of years from the seven, at least I think a couple of years from the seventies and Sean's going to take us away. Yeah. I'm excited about talking about this next one because we have been talking about minimalistic and simple and, <laughs> um, uh, quirky for such a long time. And now we get to the complex stuff yep. <laughs> um, because we're taking a turn here and we're listening to in my bones by Jacob Collier featuring Kimbra and Tank and the Bangas. Now we get to talk about another insane genius like Lady Gaga, um, who I find is light years beyond musicians and music theory and, and composing. We're gonna talk about some Jacob Collier. Mm -hmm. How were you introduced to Jacob Collier? That's a great question because at this point it feels like he has always existed <laughs> in my life. <laughs> because I, I keep up with him and I follow everything that he does. Um, I, I wanna say his arrangement of the Flintstones is how I first heard him. Um, right. I think his video popped up on YouTube based on related things that I'd watched. And I saw it and I was skeptical at first. I was like, okay, it's another guy and, and he's doing a hundred of himself singing an acapella song. Um, and then, of course, as the song goes on, you're like, okay, he's clearly smart. <laughs> <laughs> so then I started following him on social media, and it has been a journey, to say the least. <laughs> he has broken so many crazy laws of physics within music in so many great ways. Um, he's won Grammys, and he still lives at his mom's house. So, I mean, I think that's, I think that's pretty cool and it speaks for itself. I'm doing one of those two things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know you had three Grammys. That's okay. No, <laughs> you're not okay. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. Um, before I sort of wash over how much I love this song, um, let me ask you this. Why is this in your time? I knew I had to include Jacob Collier on there and I was struggling because I could have come up with a top 10 Jacob Collier songs and, <laughs> and that would have been it. Um, but I was like, I'm going to commit. I am going to pick my favorite song of his. And it was so difficult. I kept changing it. There are so many different options. There's so many different styles. And I ended up picking this one because <laughs> he dropped this album and it was the first song that I heard off the album. And I like, I was in my car and I, I'm pretty sure I screamed. I thought it was just the coolest song <laughs> I had heard in a long time. <laughs> it put me in such a good mood. And when I saw that Tank and the Bangos were involved, I've been following them for a while as well. And I'm obsessed with them. So I was so excited at the collaboration. Right, yeah. Man, this song slaps hard and it just like i don't know what it is but it's just it's so amazing um this is sort of a loaded question but you can sort of feel free to go this in any way you want to 
Um, what has he brought to the genre of pop music, jazz, funk, anything? What do you think has he brought to, to that? Oh my gosh. Um, I think texture is the biggest thing that he's brought to this style of music. I think unexpected texture and I think, you know, I, I, I've asked some of my friends about this who didn't study music, any kind of music in college or past high school. I would play songs of his and say, do you like this? And they would say, yeah, it's great. And I'm like, what do you like about it? And they're just like, it's cool. And they don't actually, they can't pinpoint the exact reason. And I think he does such a good job with texture and harmony that anybody could listen to it and have a good time without actually really knowing what's going on. And then Mm -hmm. we, the music nerds, are like, no, you don't actually understand why this is so cool. I know, I know. Um, I'm gonna have to have you come back, and we'll do a full Jacob Collier episode, and we can just talk about that because that'd be amazing to have you back, and we can talk about that too. Yeah. Um, and speaking of screaming, I know Hunter wanted to talk about this next one because he was like, "Oh my God, we're talking about this next one." So, Hunter, <laughs> take it away. <laughs> um, generally, this song's not associated with screaming, but um. I was very excited that you picked it, uh, and it is A Dream A Wish Your Heart Makes, um, sung by Eileen Woods from the movie Cinderella. For those who don't know, obviously, it's the 1950 uh, original uh, animated movie Cinderella. Uh, Eileen Woods was the actress who did the voice and the singing voice of the character. And if I'm not mistaken, she just died a few years ago. Um, I don't know. I want to say she was like in her 90s, maybe. And uh, the, the character, I think, was actually modeled off of her. I've always liked this song um, that the movie, I mean, I, I never really associated much with the movie, but I always liked her voice and I always thought she sang this really well. Uh, why do you associate? Uh, what do you associate with it? You know, why'd you pick it? I love Disney movies and mm-hmm. Disney in general. And Go team. It's probably something if you met me, you would not expect. Um, so I always like to keep it a secret, but I... There are so many movies like Cinderella where a princess will sing the most beautifully haunting melody. And there's, mm-hmm. I had trouble choosing because I was between this, um, Once Upon a Dream from Sleeping Beauty uh. and When You Wish Upon a Star. I was torn between the three, but I think Eileen Woods' voice is so beautiful. And I actually think the princess's voices get slept on. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think there's there's such great singers and we don't really we don't really know them. I didn't even know who Eileen Woods was until I had to look up who sings this song. But yeah, but truly amazing. You know, a lot of the stars from or not they weren't even stars, but a lot of the voices of the characters from this era were either um, like TV actors or studio. Mm-hmm actors like their job consisted of always doing these sort of um these parts which at the time were not really seen as big as they are now now they can get big name stars to do voice acting parts but some of these people they were just voice actors who they didn't make a lot of money you know they were not huge no one really saw their face often unless they did like a special photo shoot for the movie mm-hmm. it, it was not it, if you had a big name star in the movie it was a big deal like having Louis Prima do the voice of King Louis in Jungle Book or um, who was the other big, well, Jay Pat O'Malley did a lot of stuff for Disney, but he was well known as an actor also. 
uh, I'm trying to think of the other big voices from back then. I think Edwin might've been in one, but anyway, so, you know, people like exactly what you said, like Eileen Woods or Catherine Beaumont, who was, uh, oh, what was she? Alice in Wonderland and somebody else. I forget who else she did, but you know, they, they had these big parts and they don't often get the recognition mm -hmm. that they should. And I remember we went to Disney once. Um, it was like our one big vacation that we had uh, out of state and we went to Disney. And so we were just on like a Disney kick and listening to all the songs. And my sister really likes, um, oh God, who's the singing voice for Mulan? Uh, is it Leia Salonga? Yes. Yes. So she really likes her voice and, you know, she's obviously a fantastic singer and she's made a big name for herself. But I remember with this song in particular, Dreams of Wish Your Heart Makes, she didn't really know the song all that well at the time. And I played it and she was very adamant that like, you know, Leia Salonga had one of the best voices and she heard this and she was like, darn it, she's good. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I know. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's like you said, I mean, thinking of the revivals of all the Disney movies, now it's almost like a requirement that you have these big names. And mm -hmm. I don't know, what's the fun in that for us? Like, we know Beyonce can sing. Like, we know if she's in, singing the music of The Lion King, she's going to be able to sing. But I think it's so cool to think about these kind of no name. Of course, they were so talented, but they didn't get the, the recognition that they would get if they were in a revival movie. Like... Emma Watson and Beauty and the Beast, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. I, I like what you said there, that we expect greatness from the singer stars. So I like what you said. What's the fun in that? Like, it's nice to have someone who's really unknown or not known for singing. And then they, they, they wow you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I think it's a lot easier for us to look back at some of the older movies and say like, oh, that was the person who did it. That was the person who did it. Back then, you know, you had to read about them in a magazine or or in a in a maybe a radio commercial back in the 50s or I guess early TV, they would have done maybe the little TV spots. But yeah, I think it's I think it's cool. Well, to look back at this older Disney era and compare it to the newer Disney era where, you know, especially in the 90s, they tried to get a lot of Broadway people to do some of the voices because you had like Angela Lansbury and Jerry Orbach for Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, and Jodie Benson, I think, was The Little Mermaid. Yes. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for artists who show up and they do their job so impeccably and they leave and at the end of the day, they're okay with knowing that they contributed to something without having to be in such a spotlight. And I think that's the beauty of the older Disney movies. It's like we actually don't know who any of these actors, the voice actors, were. We just know... Cinderella and Snow White and I think that's the beauty of it yeah in fact I think if I'm not mistaken Sleeping Beauty I think she was an opera singer but no one I mean maybe people back then knew it but the kids didn't really mm -hmm. and I don't think we did either because mm -hmm. I think her name was Mary Costa if I'm not mistaken yes Mary Costa so yeah that's very cool and with that I shall pass it to oh, it was yes and lovely. And with that, I shall pass the last song to Sean. Right. So, uh, Jeanette, I wanted to mention to you that I didn't really know Amy Winehouse 
as well as I should for this song. <laughs> and it's kind of funny um, for for from for many crosswords that I do, her name always pops up, <laughs> and I feel like I know her in that way. <laughs> when I do crosswords, she's like a very like easy A M Y to use sometimes in like crosswords, um, which is interesting. But I I wanted to ask you this. Um, this is a very interesting song. Um, I feel like a lot of people know the song, but they don't know the artist. Um, and this song was re-recorded, and you wanted me to play the um, to listen to the '89 version rather than the '69 version. That's when she initially wrote it. Um, but this is when she's a little older. Um, so my question is, um, where are you? Wait, hold on a second. Um, okay. So um, when you listen to this song. Uh, I don't even know what I wrote here. Do you feel the same way that you do about Amy's music, like listening to that then and then listening to this now? Hope so, that yeah, makes so, sense. Like the two, the two versions meaning? Yeah, the two versions. Yeah, so the one that I actually wrote down was the, the version. So the original, oh, like the version that's more close to the original. Um, and they are very different, but I think you don't often get to hear an artist uh, produce a song in two different ways. You know, like, they'll do different things when they're performing live, and you feel special, like, oh, I got to hear this live, and I'm singing along, but she's doing something different than I'm used to, and I think that's really cool, but we don't actually get to hear those two versions side by side often, so that's what I really like about this. Um, I think the 68 version just takes me back to the 60s and it makes me feel like I'm in the 60s even though I have no clue what it's like to be in the 60s. But I think there's something so nostalgic about Amy Winehouse's music. She's just an old soul. Right, right. Um, let me ask you this. Um, were you introduced to Amy or was it the Spotify playlist that popped, popped that song up for you? So I had a friend from high school who introduced me to Amy when I was a freshman. And I had heard, maybe at that point she'd released Rehab, which is really popular on the radio. So I'd heard her. Right. But, you know, similarly to Lady Gaga, like we've talked about, there are so many more sides to her that you don't get to see just by listening to one song on the radio. Um, I just, I fell in love with her voice because it's so unique and I had never heard anything like it. So after my friend introduced me to her, I just, I downloaded all of her songs from all of the albums that were out. And I just became obsessed because she provides such a variety. Right, right, yeah. And here's my last question. Um, why did you want to specifically listen to the 89 version rather than the 69 version? So the, the version that I wanted was actually the 68 version. So, but flipping the question around, um, why I wanted you to listen to the 68 <laughs> versus the 89. I think it's that factor right. of nostalgia and simplicity again, because it, it takes you back to a time sure. and you can really feel like you're in that time, even though you've never lived in that time. And there's something more rustic and, and wholesome and genuine, I think, about the 68 version. I don't know if it's the tempo might be a little slower and the accompaniment might not be as textured, but 
I love that version. Right. Yeah. Well, Jeanette, thank you so much for being here and thank you for talking about your playlist. Um, I want to mention that for those who want to check out Jeanette's playlist, please go to our podcast title and look right under it and you will find the playlist that Hunter will be tagging in the podcast. So please go check that out. Um, Jeanette, thank you so much for being here. Um, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I am going to test Jeanette on her flute knowledge. So you don't want to miss that. And while we take a break, we're going to hear from our friends at Democracy Works. And Jeanette, stay right there. We'll be right back. Voting isn't just going to the polls on election day anymore. Options like early voting, mail-in voting, and ballot drop boxes are available to more voters and are growing in popularity. How to Vote, a tool created by Democracy Works, breaks down the options your state offers for casting a ballot, empowering you to decide when and where to vote. Democracy works best when we all vote, but misinformation and confusion about election procedures have resulted in low voter turnout. How to Vote, a tool created by Democracy Works, takes the guesswork out of the voting process. How to Vote, is easy to use and helps folks from all over the country overcome many of the process barriers to voting. Democracy Works is committed to helping you vote no matter what. Their tool, How to Vote, does just that. Example of action voters can take using the How to Vote tool are sign up for election reminders, see what's on your ballot, Get step-by-step -step assistance requesting your mail ballot. Explore your options for returning your voted mail ballot. Check your voter registration status. Find your polling site. And make sure you have the appropriate ID. So decide when and where you'll vote this year at howto.vote. All right, we're back with my friend Jeanette and my co-host Hunter, and we're going to get right into the nitty-gritty here with a flute quiz. Um, Jeanette, on a scale of one to ten, how prepared are you for this quiz? Uh, zero. All right. Let's She's been this. studying all day. <laughs> She's studying all day. Here we go. First question. When forming your embouchure, what should you say to shape your mouth? Is it la? we or ah oh my gosh the answer i was thinking of isn't even there the answer is puh sure 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 so the d none is, of the above so this question is la we or ah i would say we is the closest we let's see that is correct yes Moving right along. Here we go. Which letter shape should your left hand be? Is it A, D, or C? C. That is correct. How would you even form an A with your hand? I would, I don't know. I mean, like, if you would maybe cross it over or something? I don't know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeanette, here we go. An ideal posture 
where should your chin be? Is it down, up, or parallel to the floor? Parallel to the floor. That is correct. My gosh. I should teach Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> where should you place <laughs> your flute? If Maybe you, you should get a degree in it. Yeah, maybe I, know, I should get I my doctorate in it. <laughs> maybe you should, yeah. I was just going to ask you about that. Um, so this is a really important question, Janet, very hard. Where should you place your flute if you need to leave the room? On a stand, in a safe place closest to the ground, or on a chair? A stand meaning a flute stand or like a music stand? I don't know, but <laughs> we'll have to we'll go with it together. What do you think? Well, I would say a, a flute stand is probably the correct answer. My answer would be just like throw it out the window, but throw it out the window. <laughs> Let's try on the stands. Let's see. Oh my goodness. It is in a safe place on the ground. Oh my goodness. So they were clearly thinking a music stand. I know, I know. All right. Keep going here. Uh, where do you line up the embouchure hole on the head joint with? Is it the bottom of the tone holes, the top of the tone holes, or the center of the tone holes? This is actually controversial, but I think for the purposes of this quiz, it's the center of the tone holes, probably. That is correct. Yes. What is the controversy for that, though? So, <laughs> the more you learn about the flute, the more you realize that everything you know about the flute is kind of like a lie. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, that's one of those things where you're taught, you know, center of the embouchure hole to the center of the key tone holes. But as an adult, you're encouraged to experiment more with it. And the center of the tone hole is actually going to be on the, wait, oh my gosh, I'm getting my flute terminology all mixed up. The center of the embouchure hole is going to be more in line with the edge of the tone holes. Right, right. So here's my next question, Jeanette. In an ideal posture, where should your elbows be? Away from your body, up, or tucked in? <laughs> Away from your body. Away from your body. Let's find out. That is correct. Man, she is crushing this quiz right now. Mm -hmm. oh, this is like the comp exam I have to take to finish my doctorate. Oh, I know. I'm just, prepa I'm just preparing <laughs> for this one. Here, here's a great question here. How many individual 20, 30 minute practice sessions are ideal to complete per week? Is it zero, one to two or three to four? <laughs> I would say three to four. Three to four. Sounds like my that. practice schedule. <laughs> that is correct, Jeanette. Wow, you are crushing this quiz. All right, here is number nine. What should flute players think about when articulating? Spitting rice, spitting peas, or spitting quinoa? <laughs> I feel like this quiz must be pretty recent if they're mentioning quinoa. Um, mm. But spitting rice. Quinoa, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, do you, what, what did you say, Jeanette? Spitting rice. Spit right. You know what? There was a time where I pronounced it, um, how did I pronounce it? Um, quinoa. And someone's like, <laughs> let's find the great the great quinoa is correct spitting rice is correct all right Jeanette. Rice, and i was like how did you say it <laughs> <laughs> Risay. oh my goodness all right Jeanette. last question let's figure it out this is for all the marbles all right um how do you align the foot joint 
Is it A, align the rod with the center of the tone holes, B, align the rod with the top of the tone holes, or C, align the rod with the bottom of the tone holes? Oh my gosh. I can't even picture what a foot joint looks like right now. I wish I had my flute out. Um, <laughs> the rod is in line, I think, with the center of the tone holes. Let's find that out. I'm not confident. That is correct. <gasps> yes. <laughs> and you have crushed our quiz for the day. And here is one more question for you. How much of a lip plate should you rolled? Oh, wait. How much of the lip plate should your rolled lower lip cover? Is it one half, one third, or is it one fourth? Ooh, this is also controversial. I am going to go with. Oh, this is so difficult. For a beginner, let's go with a third. That is correct. Wow. And let's see if my quiz has any other quizzes. And no, that is it. That's all I've got for today. Jeanette, thank you so much for being here. It's been thank such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Is there anything else you want to mention before we get going here? I just made an Instagram like a couple months ago, so it doesn't have a lot of content, but I can promise there will be some content at some point in the future. So you can follow me on Instagram and my handle is Jeanette Marie Lewis and friend me on Facebook because that's where I post most of my fun musical and non-musical stuff like my dog. <laughs> <laughs> he was very wait. excited earlier. <laughs> I can't, I, I can't so wait. Excited. I can't wait for the day for when you be like become like an icon and then you can just go by JML and people are like, you know, yes, that's just exactly what I'm, I'm looking for when I when I see you up there uh, at the top. Name. I must mention to Hunter um, that um, the reason why I'm just so happy that you're here was that um, maybe maybe like four or five years ago, I asked you to play on my recital. And I was so shocked that you said yes to do that. And I was so happy to be a part of that process. Um, and um, you were, you were mentioning, you were saying like we did, we did um, Stravinsky's um, quartet mm -hmm. and man, that was hard. But when I saw you playing it, I was like, if she can do it, I mean, like I can't do it, but no, it's fine. Um, <laughs> no, I wanted to say it, it was, it was so inspiring to watch me, to watch you play because you play with such finesse and such, you know, beauty and such, you know, dedication to your instrument. So I wanted to thank you for doing that. And thank you for being here on yeah, the show thank you today. For saying that. That's so nice. And uh, I will pass over to Hunter to give you what a guy, a isn't he? Here. <laughs> but thank you so much for being <laughs> on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you, Jeanette. It really was a pleasure to me. It was a pleasure to meet you, but then it was even more of a pleasure to talk to you. So I'm glad that we're, I'm glad we had you on. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You can invite me back anytime. <laughs> I know Sean's just itching to do the the Jacob Collier thing now. He he's going over yeah, in yeah. his head how he can <laughs> how he can set that up. <laughs> we'll definitely be in contact for that. All right, Jeanette. We'll see you later. All right, thanks. Thanks, Jeanette. Uh, we'll see you next time. And I'm Sean Rincunas. And I'm Hunter Sagona. And keep listening to what you love.